I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 11 of Season 6 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is David Brooke of Blueprint Review. Welcome back to the show this season, David. Hello, good to be back. Always a pleasure to be on the Move Your Rob Minute. Yeah, yeah, and once and everyone gets to hear you every day because you know we you certainly this is I think the third season that you've done the music for so you know oh yeah, oh, yeah people, true yeah you get the 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 intro and the outro from from I, David Burke so once again thank you very times. much yeah hey I I have no complaints about it I yeah. I, I love you know, your music and your voice so it works so thank you thank you very much for that again it's it's uh, much appreciated always a good excuse to get on the old keys. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I've given you a good excuse to do so. <laughs> so minute 11 begins with Potter besmirching the Bailey's tendency to do good and ends with George taking uh, some more hits from Gower. So, I mean, we ended things on Friday with the, the whole idea that, you know, we, George wanted to, 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 you know, he saw the sign last week and he, was you know that says uh you know ask ask your father and he decided that he was going to go uh you know speak to one of the smartest men that he knows peter bailey to get an, get uh to get some sort of suggestion from him as to what he's supposed to do about this uh this poison pill as they say which we we talked a little more about that last week about why why it's or how it's possible that they can actually have poison in a drugstore but mm-hmm. You know, and then he ended up going to the to the savings and loan, and obviously there's the whole issue, you know, that we talked about last week. That how did Potter actually get up to the second floor, since we don't see that there's an elevator, you know? So somehow, somehow he got his wheelchair up those. I, I I still believe that Potter is one of those people that is faking being in a wheelchair. You know, like he gets to the bottom of the steps. You know, I, I, I've seen it somewhere. I don't remember where. Maybe it was. I think it was in. Uh, it was in the movie Chaplin. I think it was. You know uh, Richard uh, Enborough's uh, Chaplin, in 1992, where they're yeah. they're trying to, you know, to to edit. I think it's it's the the Great Dictator, and they show him like pr- pretending that he's dressed up as a woman in an old in a wheelchair, and they drive him. You know, they they wheel him around in the wheelchair, and they get to some steps, and then he stands up, walks up the steps, and then sits that back down in the wheelchair after he goes up the steps. You know, and puts like a blanket over his over his legs. So it just reminded me that maybe that's what Potter is doing here also. You know, it would be funny actually seeing him do it at like fast speed, you know, the way that they used to do things in, uh, you know, silent movies and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, basically George would, uh, interrupts his father in the middle of, of the, the conversation with Potter 
And, you know, Potter, at the end of, on Friday, he started saying some pretty nasty things about the Baileys. And he goes, oh, I suppose I should give it to. And then today it continues with miserable failures like failures like you and that idiot brother of yours to spend for me. So, I mean, that that's a really harsh thing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, no, no one, there are very few people that will claim that Potter is, you know, a nice man. But this is, you know, to say that to someone's face, you know, like, so my question then would be is why is he always investing in the savings and loan? You know, like, how to, obviously he must be making money somehow on that because he wouldn't do that. But, you know, for, for him to, to say that, you know, well, you know, Potter shouldn't have to, you know, save up his money and that he should give more money to them in the savings and loan, which just, again, doesn't, doesn't make any sense. I mean, we, we find out later in the movie that, that he buys up more of the savings and loan. You know, he gets on the board and stuff like that in order to be able to have a little more control over things, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, to in, in the town. Exactly. Yeah. But he must be taking trying to take it over because it is profitable in some ways. Yeah. You know, it doesn't doesn't make sense for him to to want it. Potter is not a guy who's just gonna do it for the sake of doing it. You know, he no, has no. to have he he has something going on. In order it's to competition, drive. isn't it? Yeah, it's competition. Yeah. Mm. But but if it's competition that he wants to close down, then he should mm. just try and close it down. I mean, as opposed to join you know, it's it's the whole adage of uh, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't know. It's a, very strange. And at this point, George basically defends his father and just screams out and says, he's not a failure. You can't say that about my father, which is pretty commendable for, for you know, uh, what is he supposed to be, like 12 at this point? I think, he's, uh, yeah, I think he's supposed to be 12. Yeah, yeah, something like that. You got to give, give uh, George a lot of credit for even at that age, you know, he, he didn't know what he was supposed to do with the poison, but, you know, he, he's there to defend his father at all yeah. costs. Yeah. And I think it's all part of, um, I think, uh, like most of these early scenes uh, and this one in particular, it's all about setting the scene and setting the characters, really. And it's, um, uh, but doing it efficiently, it's quite, it, it kind of jumps through a lot of these uh, flashbacks. Obviously, the flashbacks get longer in a minute um, compared to where we began. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's showing you that, he stands up for people, um, especially his family. That's right. Doing it, doing it through a scene rather than just some, telling you like um, lesser screenplays would do. So it's a, it's a nice one. Yeah, right. That's true. And and I mean, at this point, Peter Bailey tries to calm George down. You know, which says yeah. something about him also that mm-hmm. you know he on the one hand he might agree with what George is saying, but he knows that that that's not the way to do it. You know, you're not going to be able to 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 get what you want from Potter. By by screaming at him, you have to do it in a more diplomatic way, or whatever. We'll we'll never find out what that what the diplomatic way is because we don't see how Peter Bailey does it, but we do see the fact that he is you know calmly trying to calm calm George down. You know he goes George George quiet George, and and then George screams out, "You're not! You're the biggest man in town!" You know which again he. he it it shows. I I wonder if this is the Capra's way of talking about like his feelings towards his own father. You know when when he was creating this character, because you know most of the. I mean this story is it's based on on a a twenty three page uh, story, but there's very little connection, you know, between 
the the two stories besides the fact of a man who wants to die you know and and then you know realizes how important life is you know because he gets to see what life would be like without him so there are elements that are connected to it but but this is not there at all i mean this is pure purely something that the scriptwriters came up with i mean there there were so many different drafts of this that they end up meshing them all together so we never know who the person is that thought of this idea but but I mean, one of the things you can see in this movie is that, as as you you alluded to, you know, there a lot of the scenes at the beginning are reflections of things that will happen later on. You know, so that we get to see the the characters and the way that they, you know, the the way that they're developed over the course of the of the movie. And this is just a prime example of it of the that George will do anything to help anybody when when he can even if it means arguing with the, the most powerful man in in town who George doesn't believe that George believes that his father is and then Peter says to him run along run along it's setting up the rivalry between them as well because uh, obviously he's the film's bad guy and uh, George is the film's good guy I guess correct and it's just setting that up nice and early yeah and then uh George continues by saying you're you know, he says to him, you're the biggest man in town and you're bigger than him. Meaning even at this age, George can see through the, the, the you know, the, the facade of Potter, hmm. which is great to see. You know, we hear Potter grumble in the back, says, Give you, gives you an idea of the Baileys, you know, which he's basically at this point besmirching George. He's basically saying, look, you know, even this 12-year-old kid is, is, is uh, you know, is just going to say whatever he wants. Hmm. You know, that's the way these Baileys are. You know, that type of thing. And then George screams up again. He says, don't let him say that about you, Pop. All right, son. All right. Thanks. I'll talk to you tonight. And, like, he he sort of pushes him out the door as he's doing that. Again, knowing that, that uh, you know, he's – there's no point in having this argument in front of Potter. You know, and obviously we the, – the, the funny thing is, is when you think of the story, I mean, George comes to his father for help and he doesn't get the help that he wants because Potter is is there disturbing things. He wanted great advice from his father. And the advice he gets from his father is, is okay, don't don't fight with Potter. You know, we, we need him for things also. And I think I think that's part of the lesson that, that, that Peter Bailey is, is showing here, that the idea is, is okay – you know, sometimes you need to, to 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 keep quiet in order to get things done that need to get done. Mm. You know, in order to let the savings and loan work and stuff like that. So sometimes you have to be uh, some some complacent to 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 people like Potter, even though you don't agree with everything that they they say or do and stuff like yeah. that. You know, yeah. and it also brings up the whole idea of of you know George's personality. Do you do you think George's personality is is the whole idea of nature versus nurture. Um, oh, I never thought of it like that, really. Um, I guess it could be. I guess because he he's kind of got. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't. Yeah, that's an interesting way of thinking, really, because it's obviously throughout the film. I guess the idea is he's got his dreams and he's got the things that he he wants to do, but his surroundings and those around him hold hold him back. Um, but it's not necessarily them holding him back. It's his dedication to them, his kind of love for them and and support for them that is. It's not holding him back. It's just um, it's helping. Yeah, it's helping them, but not helping his own selfish needs right. um, is the ultimate thing. But I guess, um, yeah, it, it could be linked to that in a way. You know, the idea that he grew up in this household of people that are always giving. Mm. Yeah. 
you know, and therefore yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he, after his father, he yeah. learned from that, that, okay, that's what you do, mm. you know, but, but on the other hand, uh, his, his talking out in front of Potter is not necessarily something that he would have learned from his father. Unless, unless no. at home, his father is always talking bad about Potter. You know, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, at the dinner table, it's like, Oh, that, that, <laughs> that idiot Potter, you know, drove me nuts again today. He was trying to do this and that and the other thing, yeah. you know, Oh, I wish I could stop that man. I don't know, but I need him. So, you know, we, we never find that out, but mm. You know, but but again, it's great seeing George's personality at this age, knowing what his personality will be, you know, when he's yeah. older. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Potter notices right away that that this is a Bailey trait. Mm. You know, he doesn't necessarily know in, that in the future he's going to have to deal with the Baileys this way. But as far as he's yeah. concerned, you know, they're you know, the George is very similar to Peter. And maybe I need to watch out for him. Yeah. Um, so at this point, uh, you know, we, we see George uh, standing outside of the door of the, the office. And he looks like he's in complete despair and doesn't know what to do. And then the the, the, the scene changes. And we're... Nice we're white. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they, the wipes in this movie are amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, they they... You know, Capper really knew how to show, okay, now we're going somewhere else. And it's going to be a completely different tone and look and, and feel of, of everything. It did make me think watching watching the, watching these, these scenes, actually. I was just thinking with the era these were made, obviously wipes are very easy to do these days. But it did make me really curious, especially as being an editor myself, is how they actually did the wipes in the old kind of um, splicing film days. Because if you, if you freeze frame it, it's not like a clean, like, cut wipe. It's like a faded edge. Now we always wonder how how they did that in those days. I find it intriguing. I'll have to do some research. But, um, yeah, I I never looked that up to to see how <laughs> see how that's done. Sorry. Right. <laughs> oh, before we go into the next scene as well, I just want a, a quick another nice. It's a, it's not another nice little thing that I do. I think they, they, he um, Crapper clearly frames it so that you can see the big big writing of Peter Bailey um, above the door when it closes. And I think that's a, again a nice little bit of of uh, reinforcement of the storytelling, in that it's uh, it's because the, as I say, these early scenes when he's a kid rush along quite a bit, um, so getting getting across the names of who's who um, and just it with a little a little kind of extra little um, detail like that rather than just hearing someone say the name because I don't know about you but for me I'm I'm terrible at remembering names. Uh, unless I see things, unless I see things written down, I can never remember names at all. I need to, I need a lot of reinforcement. So little things like that, I do actually, I think, sub, do support the storytelling, um, in 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 their own little little ways. Yeah, I mean, I I heard a, uh, I've I've been listening to the commentary. There there's there's a commentary that you can actually even find online. Professor Janine Bassinger. From uh, Wesleyan College, and she's apparently one of the biggest experts on this movie. I I sent her an email, but she or I sent her actually two emails, and she didn't respond. Yeah. She's she's probably in her 80s, if not beyond that, at this point. So there's I, I can understand why she might not have responded okay. for that reason. But I've listened yeah. to her commentary, and she, you know, she, it's a very interesting commentary because the the movie is a little over two hours, but the commentary that I found on YouTube is like an hour and a half. And instead of showing the movie, 
part of the scenes are moving and most of them are just pictures. You know, so you get to okay. hear all of her, you know, uh, ideas about the movie and stuff like that. Is it more like a lecture almost? Yeah. In in some ways it is, but but uh, you know she she does talk about you know the idea of the reflection between the stuff that happens at the beginning of George's life and things that happen later on, mm. and she talks a little bit about the the various actors. You know she talked about H. B. Warner who played who plays uh, Mr. Gower, who we'll, we'll get back to, but we talked about him last week also a little bit. I, I find it interesting to to listen to it, but I really searched high and low to try and find a commentary. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, I was able to, you know, on the, the on the Die Hard 2 Blu-ray, you had, uh, you know, Rennie Harlan's commentary, which worked really well to tell me a lot about what was going on in the background. But here, this is mostly, uh, you know, just having to listen to film thoughts of, you know, the information of what, what was known at the time. So one of the things that uh, Janine Bassinger talks about is the fact that uh, Capra is a very visual uh, director and he uses visual storytelling the same way that they did during the silent film era a lot about the, i mentioned this last week the scenes last week with uh with showing gower and you know we see we get to read the telegram and we get to see the 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 you know the skull and crossbone on the uh you know on, on the medicine and all these different things that that he doesn't need to, to outright say things. He can just show them mm. and that how that works and allows us to, to get a better understanding of what's going on in the, the story as that goes yeah. along. It's the best way of doing it. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. So that's the one thing I always, I keep banging on about it. I, I, I got a habit of bad mouthing Chris, Christopher Nolan in, in particular. He's, he's a very dialogue led uh, writer and director and it bothers me. And it, I, I, it, I think it really holds his films back. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I always cite that some of the older directors who were more steeped in the silent era just do it so much more poetically and efficiently, and uh, you aren't bogged down by talk. Right. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, you have both. I mean, this is this is a very wordy script. You yeah. know, the, if you, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if you took a look at the at at the uh, subtitles, the the subtitle file that I put in there, but some some of yeah. the episodes here, you know, that we're talking about this week are you know two and a half three pages you know just for a minute yeah so there there is a lot of dialogue explaining things that are going on uh so yeah it works so the then the you know as as you said the the screen wipes to the next scene and then we're we're, we're back in the drugstore and we we hear a lot of commotion and we see you know we we, we see the the, you know, we see him show up in the drugstore again, and he's getting ready to to go back to work. He's taking off his hat, and then we we hear from the other room Gower saying, "What? Why that medicine should have been there an hour ago? It'll be over in five minutes, Mrs. Blaine." And you know, like it's great how we can hear the the way that Gower slurs as he's talking. You know, knowing that you know we can still hear that he's drunk. You know, with, yeah, with whatever. It's it's pretty good drunk acting, I think, especially for the era. I think um, yeah, drunk acting can be a bit a bit kind of comical, um, but I I think it's quite effective. It's it, it's done quite big, but it's not done uh, kind of silly big. If you know what I mean? Right. It's done big en- big enough to notice, uh, but not gone too far into kind of parody. 
Right. And I mean, I, I think it's great also the fact that we see that, 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 that he's unshaven and we see that his, you know, it looks like he's uh, either on the verge of crying or he's been crying so yeah. much, you know, that, that you can really see on his face that something yeah. is really there to bother him. Yeah. Especially I think the earlier scene, even um, in, in one of the previous minutes, um, even more so, you definitely yes. see those mm-hmm. tears. Yeah, for sure. Mm. But like right now, when he gets off the phone, you can see it also. And he looks over at George and goes, where's Mrs. Blaine's box of, box of capsules? And he goes, I, you. And he goes, didn't you hear what I say? Yes, sir. I, what kind of tricks are you playing anyway? Why didn't you deliver them right away? Don't you know the boy's very sick? And as as he's doing this, I mean, first of all, he, he like chases George around a little bit. You know, and George is is very surprised that Mr. Gower is talking to him this way, which, you know, I think is also great because it shows that whatever connection George had with Mr. Gower, George is even shocked by the fact that Mr. Gower is acting this way. He understands that the tragedy that just happened and that's why he's doing it, but he's still not ready. You know, they, they, they sometimes say that, that when people get drunk or when they're really tired, that's when you get to see who they really are. Because yeah. people can't put up their guard anymore and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't know what that says about Mr. Gower. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if he's, you know, always keeping himself in check, but, but, uh, you know, he possibly can get very mad at little things like this. I don't know. And, you know, he, he like grabs George by the shirt as he do, does it, and he pulls him into the back room. Also, did, did you notice the way that this this scene is being shot? I mean, we talked a little bit yeah, about this last week, also. Yeah. That it's being shot through the 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 you know through the 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 various shelves mr gower and george are in the back and you get to see all of these different uh you know bottles and funnels and all all the different things that you know a druggist needs to to get their work done but we we don't see them directly we see them through the the shelves and it it gives you the feeling that it's like that we're being somewhat voyeuristic looking at everything you know through that yeah absolutely it it adds depth as well it's just a much nicer shot and 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 again it does remind you who this guy is and what he's doing i mean obviously you might not need it as much at this point in in the story but um but certainly in the earlier scene it's uh, it's a really nice way of doing it without having to resort to lots of china cheesy close-ups and cuts it 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 does it i mean it's not all one shot there are cuts but um it, it tries to minimize that so it's not just lazy kind of close up of someone talking close up of the pills or whatever close up of this it um it does it more eloquently yes i know really nice yeah it really does and you know then he starts slapping him and i i didn't notice this this is the first time i noticed this we get a like a, a two second shot of mary reacting to listening to the slapping noise mm. you know meaning that she, she, there's a little yeah and we see that she she like jerks her shoulders a little bit, but she's, you know, she's, she's got her ice cream in her hand, but she's still paying attention to what's going on with George. Mm. And There's I mean, a little tear as well. I think I was just looking at right. and pausing it. That's right. She's, she, you can see on her face how, how, how uh, scared she is for George. Yeah. And I find it really interesting. I mean, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but I'm assuming that most people who are listening to this have seen the whole movie, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's never brought up between you know george and mary at some point that she knows that he went through this when he was a kid and she doesn't necessarily know the reasoning behind it she just right. knows that gower slapped him 
maybe maybe you know they're not going to show her again over the next uh, you know the rest of the scene. So maybe she does hear uh, everything, and maybe she also is keeping the secret. Yeah, but yeah, we don't. We never will know. But but I think it's really telling. You know the fact even the fact that that Capra chose to show us two seconds of Mary listening in on this conversation. Yeah. You know, it, it, it opens up a whole can of worms as to, you know, does she ever say anything to George about this that she knows? Or does she also keep this to her, you know, to, just like George keeps a secret, is she also keeping a secret for the rest of her life about this? Yeah, yeah. It also acts to kind of help, help um, to start, start showing how much she, that she cares about what happens to him as well, I guess, is, um, for later on. And, and also, just, just as a, a kind of an editing trick, having her reaction to the hit, helps uh, increase the impact of the hit as well so it's right. it kind of works in those basic levels right but it's also it's also a way to let us uh, let us hear the slapping just like mary without having to yeah. see it yeah 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 you know my my understanding is, is that hbo warner had a really really difficult time doing the scene you know because of the fact that he's slapping around you know yeah. uh, the, the you know a young actor at the time there might be another reason why they shot it behind those bottles so that it's, he could really miss and it wouldn't be quite as noticeable. So right. maybe that's why they kept that shot going. Right. Right. And then we, we hear like George sobbing a little bit as he's being hit and, and we see like blood coming out of his ear. Mm. And then he, he basically says to, to Mr. Gower, he goes, you're hurting my sore ear. Which, mm. which is really interesting again, that, that, you know, we we never really know what happened to his ear. We know that, you know, he jumped in the water and that he had pneumonia and that he lost his hearing in there. You know, but if he can't hear from that, so why is it, how is that a sore ear? It's not as if his ear bothers him. You know, I mean, yeah. a little later in the week, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that because that'll, that'll come up again, uh, the whole thing. You know, and, and George, what, what, What's really interesting here is that George is somewhat trying to defend himself, but he's still not telling Mr. Gower what's going on. No. You know, he's Mr. Gower's really upset and he's not really trying that hard to calm him down because he understands that, you know, Gower's in a state of mind that it doesn't matter what he's gonna say to him at this point. Yeah, or he might not believe him. Yeah, you know, he's not gonna be able to and then he then Gower says to him, You lazy loafer. <laughs> Have you ever heard that, that phrase before? A loafer? I've heard loafer before, yeah. What, what's a loafer? Do you know? A loafer? Well, it's just someone who's lazy, I guess. <laughs> so a lazy loafer is kind of uh, uh, saying the same thing twice, really. Right. It, it basically, a, a, a loafer is a slacker. It's someone who is habitually who habitually avoids work or lacks work ethic, which I... I definitely would not classify George as either of those things, even at this point. I mean, we see his dedication to his work and, 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 you know, so I just found it really interesting that, that it, it once again shows, you know, that the, you know, the tragedy that Gower is dealing with at this point is affecting him. Yeah. You know, the whole thing. And then he goes, Mr. Gower, you don't know. And then he gets cut off. We're gonna have to wait until tomorrow to find out what what Mr. Gower does not know. <laughs> it's whacked a couple more times as well. Yeah, he just keeps hitting him. So yeah, 
that, I mean, this, this is a very, this is a somewhat difficult scene to watch because, you know, we know the reasoning behind everything. Mm. And, you know, and Mr. Goward doesn't, and he's just being very brutal to, to, to George. And, you know, he, he like hits him on the side of both, both sides of his head. You know, it's not just, it, you know, on the one hand, George complains that he's hitting his sore ear, but he's hitting the other ear also. Yeah. It's quite a raw scene, especially for its age. I mean, it's always, um, I think people have a misconception. They they think old, old films are always a bit more sweetness and light. And especially it's one for life. They remember the end and they think um, everything's all cheesy and happy. And it's like, it's, it's, it can be quite tough and raw and kind of honest as well. Um, That's right. Uh, yeah. It's true. All right. Do you have anything else you want to say about this minute before uh, we get into today's segment? Uh, no, I think I covered it quite well. As I say, nicely shot and nicely performed. So, yeah, nice. Especially the, the Gower sequence. I, I do like that. But we'll get more into that later in the next episode. I, yeah, I imagine. that's true. Tomorrow we'll come after that. So every Monday I have a segment called Capra Monday, where my guests will give their uh, top five movies uh, directed by Frank Capra. So, uh what have you got for us, David? Start with your number five and work your way up. Five. Well, funnily enough, I hadn't. I realized when I put my name down for this is, um, despite I, I do love my old movies, but I realized I hadn't actually seen that many of his films. I'd only seen about three. Um, so I. Uh, well, Jay 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 also only had the top three. So, so right now, I've I've seen five now. I did. I played catch up and I've seen. Actually, no, I think I'd seen. I'd seen. I'd seen four actually, but some of them I hadn't seen for ages either. And so I did a. A bit of a catch up, and and uh, I've ended up. Uh, I've got loads of loads into my belt now, uh, but no. So yeah, so my number five, I'm going to go with Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. So that's one of the ones I saw uh, a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, it's got a bit of the kind of Capricorn, Capricorn, if you want to call it, in there. A bit, a bit of cheese, but it's um, it's it's funny. It's light. It's uh, enjoyable, and it's got um, a bit of his kind of uh political kind of side as well yeah and number four number four is mr smith goes to washington this one might have been higher but i, I didn't get a chance to re-watch this this is one i've not seen for a long long time but i do remember liking it a lot so i had to have it in the list but i have it a bit lower down because i just i can't remember it uh the next number three i'm gonna go with it happened one night uh which is a lot of fun um and i do like the way that the first half of the film i was a little bit um I wasn't sure if I liked it or not because um, I found uh, uh, the Clark Gable character quite unlikable. But then I think I, I figured that was kind of the point and that he kind of turns around by it and he wins you over by the end. And uh, I, I really fell in love with the film by, by, by the end and adored it. Yeah, uh, but my number two is Arsenic and Old Lace. Uh, so this is one that I, I watched it recently in my kind of catch-up um, session. But I think I might have seen it before because um, it did seem familiar. But this is totally my wheelhouse um because this has none of the kind of uh idealistic kind of political side of capra or any of the corny side of capra which i don't mind because he does it very well but here it is just real pitch black humor and that's i, I love it and it's just an absolute blast it just kind of motors along um, at a ridiculous pace and it's got some fantastic performances uh it's just an absolute joy um but number one has still got to be it's a wonderful life and it's just it I've seen it so many times and it, it never gets tired and it's it, it, it's it's a very moving film um and then you get the super upbeat ending <laughs> uh 
to to cap it all off as i say it does pile things on a bit at the end like um it's a very fast-paced kind of barrage of uh uber happiness <laughs> but but the film sells it it works uh because of, of what's come before it's quite a long film but it, it's it but this story uh, is compelling and it builds to that it 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 sells that finale as cheesy as it as it might be and it's just a joy like everything about it is 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 just perfect so it had to be number one okay great uh, thank you very much for that so david why don't you tell people where they can find uh, david burke oh uh, yeah so i run blueprintreview.co.uk uh, where i review uh, mainly home video kind of boutique blu-ray releases and, and things like that so yeah check it out all right. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe to any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Mover Up Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, moverupminute.com. So until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly Life with its sorrow, life with its tears.